Hello comrades and welcome to Season 1, Episode 3 of Spectre. Today I have the pleasure of being joined by Jamie Fitzpatrick, representing the Glasgow University Communist Society. Jamie, it's great to have you here. Hi, great to be here mate. Very excited to talk about plenty of important things. I just to get started then, a wee introduction, if you want to introduce yourself, who you are, your affiliations and whatnot. Yeah, of course. Um, my name is Jamie Fitzpatrick. I'm the secretary of the Glasgow University Communist Society. I'm also a member of the YCL and the Communist Party of Britain. Um, I've been running the society uh, since the start of the university year in 2021. And in that period, you know, from then until now, uh, we've seen a good bit of growth and like to work with students. No, that's great. Good to have that wee introduction. So if we just get started then with sort of the, the first sort of talking point, obviously you mentioned there that you go to Glasgow Uni and uh, you're the, the secretary for uh, GUCS, as it's abbreviated. So just to get talking on sort of the, the importance of communist representation in universities, it's becoming quite a, a good figure here in Scotland we're seeing. Yeah, so with regards to the importance of a you know, communist representation in universities. Well, I think that young people uh, are on balance a bit more left wing and especially, you know, students. We see a lot of uh, politics on campus. It doesn't necessarily have to be politics that will make a difference uh, substantially in people's lives. But, you know, elections have always been part of uh, student politics and student unions always play a large part. With regards to, you know, organising and getting people interested in you know things like trade unionism marxist leninism uh, wanting to you know make an impact in the communities we don't feel like that's spread as much as it should be uh, in universities where a lot of the focus uh, tends to be more on you know issues of identity politics and less on class-based struggles i think one of the main things that makes communist representation so important is the fact that graduates are going to be going into highly skilled jobs more often than not and it's important to have people you know ideologically aligned with us going into the world of work so they're equipped and prepared to you know bring the struggle forward uh, because we need to make sure that we've got a you know a prepared generation of communists of people who may not be marxist leninists but have got that interest in trade unionism and uh, fighting for the working class in the workplace as they move on to that in their lives. It can also be a training ground, uh, you know, for young people, for young activists, having the kind of localised campaigns, uh, single issue campaigns like we see on universities, around things like uh, student housing, uh, and a big campaign we saw of that. There were some communists in uh, Manchester who led a rent strike there, and that turned out to be very successful. These kind of campaigns can be learned from and we can use these to develop leadership skills for, again, moving forward into the workplace. And also just internationalism. As communists, we try to be internationalists. And with unis attracting people from all over the world, some of whom will already align with us ideologically and some with, uh, you know, who won't. It's, uh, it kind of helps us uh, develop the international movement and build links, you know, that can work with uh, going forward. No, oh, excellent comrade. Really, really great answer there. I love the point you're talking about the identity politics that occurs on campus. I think that was clear to see. And I'm sure comrades across Britain will, will say the same when it comes to these student elections where you've got representatives who 
are running on almost single issues or their very profile is is tame to say the least you know they're they're not advocating for support of lectures support of university staff it's all very you know almost self-centered their profiles have information on it just says they're a they're an active individual they're they're fun etc etc and all their hobbies but yeah, I'm yet to see a strong student candidate that's got strong links and advocates for standing side by side with the lecturers when it comes to striking. So I think that's that's probably the the most important part about the communist representation. Like you said, it's a, it's about being out there because not only does it affect the students who who want to join the society and see it as something great. You mentioned also that there's a good international size to the university, especially in Glasgow. I've had some great conversations with some Asian comrades. Delighted to know that there's a, a society in place in Glasgow that they can almost turn to. As well as that, you know, we've seen that the the representation of the communist movement within universities, it also aids sort of, uh, staff as well. Those, those sort of more socialist staff who can rely on the likes of Gux and other communist societies within Britain because they know they're always going to be active. They know what, what you stand for and the lengths you're willing to go to achieve results. So I think that's really important for not just students, but staff as well in terms of the representation. And I suppose this this gets us on to our, our next question quite seamlessly, is the collaboration with UCU and the ongoing strike action that's uh, occurring, not just in Scotland, but across Britain. Now, you want to talk a wee bit about that? Uh, yes, so the UCU uh, strike action has been going on uh, since the end of last year and it's continued on to this year. You know, it's only taken a uh, course over certain days that are arranged uh, through the trade union process of, uh, you know, selecting the dates, voting on them, balloting. And we know how hard that can be uh, for trade unionists in the UK, which has some of, you know, the harshest uh, anti-trade union laws. But the, yeah, the UCU, if I'm just kind of set some context there, they're the university and college union in Britain, and they're striking over devastating cuts to their pensions, and they're also taking action in some universities. Glasgow is uh, taking part in both campaigns, but there are two separate disputes. Um, so the first one is over pensions, and the other one is over, you know, their employer's refusal to address the pay gap between, you know, gender and different races, and, you know, the precarious nature of employment and unsafe workloads. So, you know, lecturers uh, getting employed on very precarious contracts, rolling on year after year. If you're only guaranteed work for a year, then are you going to be able to keep your family here? Are you going to need to move? If you've got kids, are they able to, uh, you know, keep going to the same school? If your pensions are getting slashed and they're not going up, in fact, they're coming down, you know, it's going to have a harsh impact in the future, especially with the cost of living going up and inflation going up. Anything that isn't a rise is really a cut. Uh, and of course... As communists and trade unionists, the UCU is something that we would obviously support and the UCU have been uh, very welcoming of our support, which we're very grateful for. With regards to our collaboration with the UCU, there is only so much we can do, of course, but the main thing uh, we do is uh, work. We've worked with uh, other kind of left-wing and uh, activist groups uh, at the university to varying degrees. There was one group at the university, kind of non-sectarian left-wing group, uh, who set up a student support the strike solidarity meeting. You know, that was very well attended by about 80 of us. Communist society were there and were part of that. And uh, we looked at ways to support the strike. We had lecturers there who were UCU members, UCU shop stewards. And from that, we built on that and made sure that there was a presence at the pickets each and every day. If I couldn't make it one day, you know, we'd have to make sure we have someone there in our place. We were attending talks frequently 
by UCU members. We were providing funds to a kind of coalition of societies that helped create some uh, propaganda and leaflets, non-branded ones, uh, so we could hand them out because if uh, it's UCU material, then there's limits on the way that we can hand it out because of the strict trade union laws. But we, we helped fund these independent ones that got made up and took part in handing them out around the university and you know it was really positively uh, received just trying to educate students with why they must support the strike action uh, obviously you want to create as much disruption as possible but you also want to make sure that when disruption occurs people not being able to get to the classes or people not knowing that the classes are on you want to make sure that they understand why this is happening and you want to make sure that they complain to the right people because if they're just going online or uh, going back to their families and venting about their anger that their classes aren't on and their lectures are greedy, then they're not helping the cause. That's probably not intentional by them. It's just a product of uh, the way the education system works in, which I know we'll touch on later. But we want to make sure they're complaining to the right people and that would be, you know, the upper management and uh, if, you know, the media, but making sure the blame is directed uh, to the right people. And with that, we want to look, uh, you know, through a collaboration with the UCU. We want to kind of lead to increased participation from students in the trade union movement in general and the students uh, who are likely to maybe go into academia uh, as a job when they're older, then having that introduction at the UCU already is a very positive step. Not enough people who work at the university are in the union. Yeah, another excellent piece of discussion there, Cormie. Like we discussed earlier, sort of, you need university students standing side by side with your lectures and that should be across the whole university not even in the in the context of a almost political university society but just in general we should we should be seeing all societies standing beside their lectures and like you says it's becomes difficult in that sense whilst you're collaborating with them and whilst you're operating under gucks to convey that message to other students who perhaps don't understand the severity of the situation for the lectures and for the other workers within the university universities where the likes of their pensions getting slashed and their wages and etc so i've certainly seen that lack of empathy if you will from other students who prioritize the necessity of going to their their class or going to a building which has been uh, picket lined both by students standing in solidarity as well as people from the ucu and i think it sort of falls to in a sense the the lack of knowledge and understanding, but certainly from an, an operation point of view from universities who don't certainly voice the concerns of its lecturers and the rest of its staff. It's very anti-trade union, it's very anti almost working class in a sense. It's it's constantly operating against their own members of staff, portraying them out to be villains. They're the ones uh, inherently responsible for uh, the destruction of these students' education or qualification, which is utterly ridiculous because situations like this wouldn't arise if you didn't have the, the fat cats at the top slashing pensions and taking more and placing it in their own back pocket. So I think it's a very good point that universities certainly don't have the interest of its staff in heart. We've seen the time and time again they want to protect their own image and that's been felt in a public view as well to those who aren't sympathetic to the trade union cause or or just don't understand the necessity for these lectures and, and staff striking. We've seen MPs flat out call for an end to strike action simply because of the disruption that's that's being caused. And like you said, it's it, it's part and parcel with the the demands and the, the various strike actions that has to occur in order for changes to be made. We've also seen publicly on social media, whatnot, in the press, people are 
almost supporting the talk staff at universities and, and calling for an end, even calling for lecturers who are known to be striking and voice their, uh, their image loudly as an active member of UCU to be sacked, which is utterly disgraceful considering that they're putting the, the effort on these people to aid the, their own students. But the, the moment it comes to a bit of support that they need, they're, they're often thrown under the bus. And like you said, the, the, the work that Gux has done, by, done before and, and standing beside the the UCU outside buildings. We've seen that almost scab action from other members of, of staff, perhaps not those directly in line as being uh, lectures, but certainly bosses and management of, of various buildings and whatnot. So it's great to see that, that Gux is there at the forefront as well in, in terms of its cooperation with other smaller groups, as well as the, the trade union movement as a whole. Which sort of brings me again to another excellent question when we when we talk about sort of smaller groups or other socialist and left-wing groups, is what, what truly separates Gux from its sister societies across the other universities? I love that you called your own question an excellent question uh, there. That was funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, but with regards to what separates us and our sister societies, because as um, some people may be aware, we've got societies set up in Strathclyde University, Sheffield University, and I think uh, one in Wales, Cardiff, I believe. Uh, with regards to what separates us then, uh, we are really the only Marxist-Leninist societies. That just means we align more closely with the Communist Party and the global Marxist-Leninist movement. Uh, movement with uh, you know large communist parties around the world uh, such as you know the communist party of uh, china or the russian federation or cuba or uh, vietnam or france or um, portugal we are not uh, part of any tendency or anything like that we do believe in internationalists and building socialism in our own countries and uh, helping spread that uh, we've got more of a focus on action uh, as opposed to other left-wing groups and that's not to say that they do not participate in action in a lot of uh, left-wing societies especially Trotskyist uh, societies there tends to be a lot of a focus on uh, being a book club and there is of course nothing wrong with freedom of theory but it is important that you know it does not take the spot of kind of being the most important uh, activity that you engage in and it's dangerous if that is allowed to you know be kind, kind of become the kind of dominant left-wing activity on campuses we don't want it to be diluted and sterile we need to make sure that we're active and engaging we are also free and i know not all left-wing societies charge money but i know plenty of them do and sometimes it's as much as 10 pound a month we do not um, charge anything for participation we have had whip rounds pay for things but we do not charge for participation in our society we do not charge a membership fee and i think that model has been replicated across the uk when our sister societies uh, we also encourage people to be active in their communities rather than meet newspaper sales quotas. Uh, we want people to become leaders in their communities, in their trade unions, in their workplaces. Um, it's not about getting them to raise money for us. It's about getting our members and spotting leaders within our members and developing them as communists and looking for people who can continue the work when the members who are no longer at the university leave the university because we want these things to be student run. We're also mainly made up by people from Glasgow and the surrounding areas, which is a bit different to some of the other uh, societies at the university. Nothing wrong with that, of course, but it does set us apart. Uh, no, really, it's the, the main focus is on Marxist-Leninism and we know that there aren't really many other groups that do so. Most groups that you see at universities happen to be Trotsky's groups and, you know, it's not something we align with and it's something that you know, we feel like the Marxist-Leninist message has to get put across uh, more strongly. 
Yeah, another great response there, Comrade. Like you say, is the, the importance of sort of practical application of Marxist-Leninism should be at the forefront. Like you say, you, you want to avoid a, a society that truly becomes a book club when that's not its its foundations. And I think that's probably the, the main point of having these societies within university. It's a place to, to learn. Not only are you, you learn the, the critical theory, but you're also learning the the application of it. And I think that's probably the the number one thing that working class people within universities need to know. They need to know how to be community organisers. They need to know how to get active in their trade unions. They need to know the the key fundamentals of disruptive action and things like that. Because as we know, that direct action, that's what gets goods at the end of the day. We've seen it time and time again throughout history. Nothing has came from sitting, begging and stagnating. Even if you know all your theory, it's only good if you can apply it. As well as that, it's, it's great to hear that Gux is a, you don't have to pay to get into it, which is fantastic for, for young people, especially students. We know a, a few of you are on budgets. Uh, <laughs> so it's great to see that it's very open to other members coming in. And like we said, when we talked about the strong standing of Gux and its openness to the international community as well, it's, it's good to see that, that Gux has got very solidified foundations within its framework and certainly to comrades internationally, that's very appealing to them as well as the no payment, of course. But it's something that they can see themselves getting a part of. It's not defunct. It's not scattered out with itself. It's very refined and, and strong within Glasgow. And it's that sort of community building that's also being translated into universities, which is great to see. So we talked sort of briefly about the, the education side of things in terms of folk learning how to become community organisers and whatnot. Do you think you're able to sort of examine sort of the, the state influence within the, the very education system and how it affects young people and what it tries to prevent them from becoming? Yeah, I mean, we can touch on that, uh, definitely. I feel like the state education system uh, impacts young people in obviously so many ways. But if we're talking about them more from our point of view and the things that you know we care most about as communists, as trade unionists, then we feel like you know there is a lot of anti-trade union rhetoric pushed through by people from a broad range of scabbery, be that vice-chancellors at universities, executives at universities, politicians, often Tory ones, sometimes SNP ones, uh, and just political pundits as well you know it's not a debate on bbc news if there isn't someone calling for all unionized workers uh, to be sacked along with someone who we would consider probably a moderate left winger looking like you know the most sensible person in the world and next to them well yeah this rhetoric is helped by the kind of marketization of higher education and turning it into a commodity uh, where students are seen as customers rather than students if we look at places like uh, you know cuba and uh, China, where um, education is so treasured and highly valued and held to such high esteem, educators are uh, paraded, uh, venerated. And we look at it here, where we're put against each other, as if someone's a lecturer looking for uh, a decent wage for hard work is uh, you know, seen as the enemy uh, of the student, played against each other by someone who will set their own wage, and that will be a wage in the region of several hundred thousand pounds. Uh, like the vice chancellors we see up and down the UK have been refusing to meet these demands. Uh, we feel like a lot of the funding that could be there, because we know the money's there, is going to vanity projects, bloated salaries for upper management. We've seen uh, plenty of new buildings. Nothing wrong with investing in new buildings, but you know we really want our staff uh, to come first because teachers and lecturers, living conditions, pay conditions, well, there are learning conditions. And if you're to get the best quality education, then we need their uh, conditions uh, to be better. There's a lot of anti-communism and anti-Marxism put forward by the state. I know it's not as strong in Scotland, but we are aware that in England there was recently laws passed banning the teaching of uh, books that are critical 
of capitalism and that's not even in the sense of you know we can look at this objectively I think they are just banned from learning about books like um, Marx now. If I am wrong on that, then you know someone correct me, but I'm sure that was passed last year or the year before. That's not been passed up here in Scotland as the two education systems are different. And in Scotland, we are lucky in the sense that, well, we're not lucky, but it should be a right, but we are lucky compared to people in other uh, places, specifically England and Wales, uh, where we do get free higher education. We get five years of undergraduate study for free, I believe. If you do one year dropout, you can change back to do another four. We feel like the education system is designed to encourage people to become wage labourers rather than to maximise their potential as a person and truly really specialise in things that set them apart from others we feel like there's a lot of the anti-china propaganda and you know pro-imperialist uh, outlook on things i'm pretty sure we've all remember doesn't matter really matter what class you're in in secondary school and you know university you'll often hear a lot of uh, buzzwords thrown about like authoritarianism or communist or uh, you can't speak up or you get shot or you can't you can't afford to heat your house. I mean, all these things are really happening here. Uh, people can't afford to eat. People are literally knocking back items at food banks because they can't afford to heat them. People can't afford to heat their houses here, as we've seen. And people are getting slapped with lengthy jail sentences for the act of protest in, uh, down in England. With regards to state influence in education, you know, I feel like the state, especially the British state, it's you know, it's always had a focus on militarism and I feel like that kind of translates through to the universities and the fact that universities are a business. We're no longer a model well, really really ever well. They're always been uh, filled with money. But they they're not um, you know, they're not something that's just used for education. They should be. They are used as a business. So what we see is investment in a lot of, you know, kind of not very good, uh, <laughs> not very moral uh, companies, investment in a lot of arms companies like Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, uh, Boeing, uh, our own university has uh, a few million pounds invested in those companies. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Ducks have also played a part in the Arms Investment Coalition. Another another great point there, comrade. Certainly when we, we look at the state influence in the education system, I think a lot of us realise the, the very nature and the very potency of it within high school. Certainly with the likes of historical revisionism, or anti-communism, anti-Marxism, we see it quite a lot, certainly in the history aspect, certainly in, in political uh, courses and whatnot, it's, it's very strongly there. As you mentioned, uh, about our comrades in England as well, and not just here in Britain, but certainly uh, across the pond to our, our comrades in the in the States, very cracked down on socialism in general over there and across the globe and uh, these other sort of cracked down and uh, oppressive countries. So, yeah, it obviously makes it makes it quite tough for, for young people to sort of find that that voice, that society to represent them. You also made a, a good point, sort of like how the state education system almost moulds those in the working class to fit certain roles and to, to be subjugated to uh, financial bondage with their labour. Certainly when it comes to, to housing uh, in Britain, the, the housing market here is absolutely atrocious and oftentimes, more than not, young people can afford to, to take out mortgages. They can afford to be paying money to the bank, but yet time and time again they're denied and instead have to go through scumbag landlords who are notoriously aggressive towards their tenants. They, they don't care about the very conditions that they live in, whether it's damp, whether it's rats, whether it's anything else in between. They do not care. And more times than not, even in a cost of living crisis, these parasites who don't work are putting the rents of their tenants up and it means to, to justify their own stagnation, which is absolutely disgraceful. And it's certainly a, a worrying thought for 
for young people within university when they, they look at the very future that could be in front of them and the very future that could not be in front of them when we look at the global warming crisis that we've got here environmentally. It's, it's frightening when we look at the various global catastrophes that are, are happening across the globe, especially here in, in Britain, rising water levels and whatnot, shock temperatures. So it's really, really worrying for people there. We also made the, the excellent point of identifying the misplacement of investment with the universities not putting staff first. You know, they're, they're, they're buying up buildings uh, for projects and whatnot. Like you said, it's not necessarily bad, but in the inherent interest of those responsible, it's not done for the benefit of both university staff and students. Because like you says, it's the end of the day, the education system has become a market. It's become a competitive market. And you can see that if you're if you're looking to apply for any role or any job within a university, time and time again, it's advertised as, oh, we're in a very competitive market. What can you bring? Showing again that the interests of lecturers, of other staff, of students, both domestic and internationally, are not at the forefront of the university's teaching. It's all about competing against other universities within Britain to, to get that financial funding, to expand on their growth and whatnot. And more importantly, for these top dogs at the university, these parasites, again, to take that money and take a good portion of it and stick it in their back pocket, shamelessly doing that alongside cutting pensions for, for staff, as we've seen. So certainly that market clearly shows a, a complete disassociation between the, the educational needs of students, as well as that, when we when you when you mentioned the buildings as well, here in Scotland, the, the suspicious thing of listed buildings magically going on fire and uh, being replaced <laughs> by student accommodation. But maybe we're we're tiptoeing in conspiracy theory here, so we'll leave leave it to the imagination of our listeners. But it's certainly a, a notable aspect that's that's occurring, uh, and it shows the the very growth and the the very ab absorbing form of this market, and it also creates that disassociation between students itself. They no longer feel uh, a part of, uh, I'd say, a, a student culture or a, a student community. It's dog eat dog when it's put into the context of of that market, which is which is quite frightening for them. And I suppose that brings us on to quite a relatable question here: is sort of the the very culture that's then created from this market is that of sort of individualism within universities and the the culture it does create. Are you able to sort of expand on that and give your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's solely just um, at the universities, but no, that's not what you would apply anyway. It's a um, product of, you know, the capitalist society that we find ourselves in when people are encouraged to uh, compete against each other. I think it happens uh, straight from school. There's less of a focus on the collective. It's all about making sure that the higher performing uh, pupils are, you know, pushed to the front and the uh, lower performing ones. You know, I've got plenty of friends that were effectively forced out of their school for not performing or not being able to get to school uh, for various uh, reasons and these were not looked at or taken seriously. We feel like there's always going to be under capitalism less of a focus on the collective and they're going to push for excellence. Uh, things like university league tables, high school league tables, you know, they all help kind of push this forward and having to compete for places, uh, compete for low-paid apprenticeships and internships Going forward, it just uh, heightens that. And then if we look at the culture that's been created uh, via social media, where there is such a focus on uh, exhibiting to other people a life that you may or may not lead, but you want people to think you lead, you know, with the likes of influencers and uh, kind of niche micro-celebs, with that 
being pushed upon us. There's that pressure on people to spend money on things that you know they do not really need or were not really created very ethically uh, either. The likes of ridiculously expensive clothing and vehicles, and we feel like that with people at universities. They're just a product of where they come from. And you get people people coming from kind of working class families. You'll be getting people coming from eating. You'll be getting people coming from abroad. And to see this culture mash, definitely Glasgow anyway. Very interesting to see. Uh, we feel like individualism, it plays a role in the kind of uh, anti-union rhetoric that we see at universities. Since people are encouraged to do so well and to, you know, get these great grades. But so there's nothing wrong with, but it's the fact that that's um, seen as the be-all and end-all and people who are getting in your way, they're to blame. And it's detrimental with students' mental health because if they're struggling or if they're not getting the support they need, then they can often blame themselves because we know that there is not enough funding in mental health services at universities, especially in Glasgow. Some universities are a wee bit better especially in Glasgow, the waiting lists are far too long. We feel like that kind of creates and adds to this us against them with students and lecturers. Time and time again, I've seen people, and it must be really frustrating for them. I can understand them, uh, especially people who come from you know places like the United States uh, or Asia, where I think the rates are a lot higher than if they come from, say, England or uh, Europe, where it can be as high as £20,000 a year or above. And if you're not getting your teaching, then you're going to feel ripped off and you're being deprived of your future. And because of this kind of individualism that's pushed upon people, then that's going to drive you to be more resentful and to be more inclined to that dog-eat-dog. And that's why we need to make sure that we have a presence on campus to divert people away from that kind of thinking and get them to come on to our way of thinking where we will be stronger and we will only be able to change this unfair system if we work together and that includes the pupils the students rather pupils if we're counting high schools as well because they are also exploited yeah another excellent point there Cormade. a great great point you made about the the sort of broader view of things where we're looking at the capitalist mode of production not just in the the materials that it creates but the the production of people creating certain types of people within its own framework you also made the, the excellent point of how certain roles are pushed onto people the likes of influences and whatnot and we see i think i speak for most people here when we see in our, our team of high school or even in university already where we're told if we don't study hard we're, we're going to end up as bin men or, or janitors like that completely degrading I, these, as these if that's essential the... roles as if that's the kind of, uh, you know, rock bottom in life, even though without these roles, society, as we know it, would collapse very quickly. Exactly. And we've seen that, especially during the height of the COVID pandemic, you know, unskilled labourers were, were hailed as heroes and essential workers. But now that the, the curve is beginning to, to flatten and things are sort of getting back to normal, if you will, these people are being degraded again to the, the previous classification of, of their roles. So, yeah, as, as we see that sort of individual sort of apparatus being jammed into the, the university model uh, and indeed the high school model as well as you, you quite rightly mentioned we see that you know there isn't a, a emphasis on the collective which there should be within our societies we should all be working together and instead it's competing against each other just as these universities can compete against each other in, uh, in these markets that is then turned on the students uh, in their courses it becomes a almost each person represents a, 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 an almost individual business uh, and they're competing against each other for a spot with these jobs as well. When we're competing 
against each other for these graduate roles, these graduate qualifications and whatnot. More times than none, students are leaving these universities looking to to go into the, the broader world and into business and whatnot, where they're having to apply for jobs that are looking for plus five years experience and whatnot. And students don't have that because there isn't a a distinct uh, experience program put in place for for people to learn the, the skills of applying what they've learned when we look at the contrast between the the likes of the education system models in say china or the the former soviet union where an emphasis is put on folk learning that practical application of their skills not just as as marxist leninists but even within their their own uh, areas of expertise when it comes to uh, higher education so it's that that complete lack of it that then puts people in that position as we talked about uh, earlier of financial bondage and 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 being forced to go for these jobs that don't adhere to their their skill set and, and whatnot so it really makes life difficult for them not only that when they're they're forced into these positions. There's often this disassociation with other members of of the working class. They feel that you know it's they almost feel betrayed in, in a sense because the the false image of the university model is the the educational aspect and the uh, the false camaraderie that they often peddle, and thus these people feel disassociated from that and almost disassociated from their class. And that's when that individual aspect kicks in from the likes of influencers and micro-celebrities who continue to peddle capitalist ideology of you're not working hard enough, uh, the classic Molly May, we've all got 24 hours. <laughs> so it's an utter joke to these people and they, they often feel, or they often fall prey to these ideological points of capitalism where they have to brutalise other people within their own class to, to get ahead, which shouldn't be the case. And we've seen throughout history, it's the collective understanding, the collective organisation, the collective mobilisation, and thus the collective force of the working class that's really the only vehicle for our own elevation. But yeah, just to round off the end of the show then, it's been really great. It's some really great discussions. Education within capitalism is always an interesting topic to talk about, especially in universities. So it's just to see if you've got any sort of final talking points or whatnot and where can folk find gucks on social media and everything else in between. Yeah, so uh, final thoughts. Yeah, if you... Go to Glasgow University, then join us. Find us on Twitter, uh, GU Communist. Just give us a message. Uh, we're also on Facebook under the same name, Glasgow University Communist Society. You can also reach us through the SRC website, which will have our email address on it. And yeah, if you join us, you know we can help you develop as a Marxist Leninist. We're the Marxist Leninist Society at Glasgow University. Look forward to working with more people. Hopefully next year, going into the next semester, uh, we're going to be active at Freshers which we missed last year due to the timing of our establishment. Moving on from then, uh, hopefully we can go with society and continue to engage uh, with all our groups at the university and with the UCU. Also, don't forget uh, to join the Young Communist League and the Communist Party of Britain to fight for and achieve socialism in our lifetime. Thanks for having me on, Nathan. Not one step back. Take care. Thank you, Cormie. It's been a pleasure. And I hope it's been a pleasure for our listeners as well. Uh, Big thanks for tuning in again for another episode of Spectre. I'll leave in the comment sections below and in the descriptions the link for Glasgow Communist Society and indeed the Strathclyde Communist Society as well. I'll also leave the links for the UCU to allow students and that to get an understanding of the reasons why their lectures and their their staff members are, are having to strike and most importantly to keep up to date with strike action and be sure to support your fellow lecturer, your, your staff member as well and organise your the, your fellow students within your classes as well. If you're not part of a society or there's uh, not one running by you, then 
start that groundwork conversation with your fellow students, get that understanding of the necessity to stand in solidarity with other staff. Thanks very much again, commies, for tuning in. Solidarity, camaraderie, keep the peace.